We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nukhami, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of my very own beauty brand, Carmela Cosmetics, and business consultant. This is We Are Women, Beauty Redefined, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast features different women whose names you probably recognize. You've seen them, been following them, and might even think that they've always had it together. Listen in to hear the women you know and love share their journeys with self-acceptance and self-love, discovering their unique beauty and confidence in a society that for so long has focused on exemplifying a specific beauty standard. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night and we are women. Beauty Redefined. I am so excited to have my friend Alyssa Goldwater on this podcast episode. Alyssa is an ultra-Orthodox Jewish influencer, plus-size style and advocate, and type 1 diabetic mom. This is Alyssa's second time coming on our podcast. She was actually one of the first episodes when we launched our podcast within the first season, and we were messaging back and forth a couple of days ago, and I was like, you want to come and come on our podcast again for Mental Health Awareness Month. And she's like, sure, yes, right away. So we planned another episode and that is today's episode. So it's kind of like almost a continuation of her story two years later, because when she first came on a couple years ago, she spoke about her struggle with an eating disorder just a little bit. And now we're post that. So this is going to be a very interesting episode for you to hear, especially if you heard the first one already. So during this episode, she talks about how she grew from being insecure and having low confidence as a child to becoming the woman she is today. Alyssa shares her journey with a binge eating disorder and the misconceptions people have about eating disorders in general. She also shares how she learned that she has an eating disorder, why she decided to go to an eating disorder treatment program, how she learned to love her body and share some information that she's never shared before. So we got an exclusive over here. Alyssa talks about her experience as the recipient of hate comments, especially regarding her posting asking for seatbelt extenders on airplanes, and why she wants to break the stigma of how someone's size is perceived to be synonymous with their health. I can't wait for you to hear this episode with Alyssa. It is jam-packed with information and inspiration for you. Listen in and be inspired. Young Alyssa was curious, observant of the world around her. And she, um, I mean, it depends how young we're going here, but she definitely from a very young age did not feel good about her body and was very insecure about every move she made. Um, always self-conscious that other people were judging her and um, lacked a lot of the self-confidence that she has now. Okay. Wow. So I just want to jump a few years because, well, not maybe I'll say a couple of decades or right to your Instagram public persona, because that seems to be very different. And we'll break it down a little bit, but starting with the insecurities that you had, people judging you, right? Most people would be very nervous to do what you do if they're, if they have this fear of being judged. So let's talk about that. And then we'll head into the body insecurity. 
So I definitely think that I've always had this like spotlight effect where it's an actual thing in psychology where you always think that people are paying attention to you and like judging you when really they couldn't care less about you. So I've always had that, like even from just walking down the aisle on an airplane to get to my seat to like my college classes, like if I had to get up to go to the bathroom. Um, and I guess, you know, this self-consciousness, um, there, I had it still when I started my Instagram. Um, I also think that it's, you know, there is this thing where people are bolder online than they are in real life. Um, and for a very long time, you know, I would say even for the first like few years of me being on Instagram. So this is going back like seven years now. I definitely still felt judged by what I put online and I was judged, um, but I still cared to a certain extent. Um, and, um, you know, judged meaning like what I wore, even like as a Sanua woman going into like the secular blogging, like Chicago like world, I still felt very judged by like what I would wear to events and, um, you know, covering my hair to also like my body image, which has taken a huge journey over the last, you know, seven years since I started this. So there were, there are definitely multiple stages of Alyssa's self-confidence and she's in her prime now, but it <laughs> did, it was not always this way. Right. So I just want to translate the word Tanua means uh, modest. So when Alyssa said uh, Tanua, that's modest as a modest woman dressing in the secular world. Um, that is just a kind of, what do they call it? Uh, that, that's a footnote. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So Alyssa, now you mentioned how you're at your prime. And by the way, I think it's so fun and so cool that we're doing this now because you were one of the first guests on our podcast when we first launched about two summers ago. And um, your journey has has really evolved since then, especially now it's Mental Health Awareness Month. We are launching this next week. So we're still going to be in the beginning of Mental Health, Health Awareness Month. I want to talk about how you you first started working. I, didn't, I was thinking of using the word getting over, but I don't like that. I don't like that term. So more like working on overcoming the challenges of being insecure um, and being judged, even though I get it, it was through a screen, it's easier in a way. But um, how did that, how did that happen? So I know people don't like to hear this, but I do think there is a sense of like, fake it till you make it. Um, and I sort of just went with it. I put on this persona of a very confident person that really did become my actual persona like that is who I am now it just sort of it's like a mat it's like you put like a, ma a lotion on your face and it seeps into your skin um and you know I acted like the person I wanted to be and um it doesn't I don't think that is a one-size-fits-all method for obtaining self-confidence and being in a position of, you know, there is a lot of public 
approval and like affirmation from people that I'm doing a good job and that I look good in what I'm wearing. So like, I'm not going to lie and say that outside factors didn't help like boost my confidence situation. Like that's just the reality of like the role that I play, um, which I, you know, that might sound inauthentic to some people, but like really it was just such a part of my journey to like realizing that this confidence was really within me all along and you know, the environment that I was in and the inner work that I was doing on myself really helped to like bring that to the forefront for like me to actualize the confidence that I have. Um, you know, it doesn't just come from thin air. You have, you build on what you have inside of you and everyone I think has that potential. Right. I love that you mentioned that because it's so true. The therapists and psychologists out there always talk about how we have this inner child that as we're exposed to people and our environment, we start, you know, getting messages and, and internalizing messages and believing things about ourselves. And there, and that's, that's when, you know, oftentimes we struggle with confidence, we struggle with self-worth and our job as adults, you know, is really to, if, if we want to become fully evolved human beings and confident and healthy people, is to really do the inner work to get to our childhood selves. Right. And, you know, it's not easy and it's a lifelong journey um, to get to be the person that you truly want to be. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I also, I really, I, I, I love that, that you mentioned the fake it till you make it because it's so true. I mean, it's also as you, as you, um, accomplish different things and see that you really could do it, you know, whether it's because people are giving you positive feedback, that's literally your job, right? You need to have that positive feedback. So that's an accomplishment. Um, or you just overcome something that's going to build your confidence. So hundred percent. And I don't want people to think that like fake it till you make it means being inauthentic. It's just like, almost in a sense, like bucking up and being like, I can do this, let's go. And eventually it becomes second nature to you. Um, I know it can be really hard to walk into a room full of people that maybe are your just acquaintances or you don't really know them, or you think you're not on the same level as them. Like maybe they're very fancy people and you aren't. Um, and this feeling of wanting to belong. So you deserve to be there, who, regardless of who you are. You know, if you're a good person, you deserve to be in the room with everybody else. And it's just telling yourself that over and over and over again and doing it. And even if there's, you know, a little something in the back of your head that, you know, every 15 minutes at this party is saying you shouldn't be here. You're so awkward. Like you don't belong here. Just shut that thing off and continue on. And it doesn't mean that you don't have confidence if you have that voice. It just means that you continue to overcome that voice that's trying to hold you back. Yes, absolutely. It's great. And I think it's also important for people to see someone who they feel like, you know, super confident and you are now, but it took work, you know, and that's important to realize the way that you perceive someone isn't necessarily the way that they actually are. So that's just an important point. 
Um, let's also talk about uh, your struggle, your eating, your past eating disorder, and something that people just really don't realize and they're not aware of. Sure. So I would say, well, so I had binge eating disorder and it was a diagnosed eating disorder. Binge eating disorder is actually, uh, also, I think it's important to say, like, I am not a medical professional whatsoever. This is just my experience with binge eating disorder. Um, and I always like to say that. So do not do anything medical with that or diagnose yourself without talking to an actual medical health professional. That's number one. So binge eating disorder is actually one of the newest recognized eating disorders in the DSM-5. And it's very unknown across the board. Like people just think that if you have binge eating disorder, you just need to stop eating so much. Um, or like you need to eat more protein or less carbs, but really binge eating disorder is, um, has a lot of characteristics of binging and also restricting. And a lot of times the restricting, not always, a lot of times the restricting of food causes the binging. Um, and also people with binge eating disorder don't have to necessarily be plus size people. Um, people in smaller bodies can have binge eating disorder as well. So um, I realized that when I realized that I had binge eating disorder, I was working with a therapist and I was also okay with my body. Um, not everybody a lot of people figure out that they have binge eating disorder because they're trying to lose weight because they think that, you know, their body needs to conform to a certain size to be worthy or to be beautiful. And I had an upper hand because I already was very okay with the size of my body. I'm a plus size woman. And um, I had body confidence before I got help for my eating disorders. So that is that was sort of a place where I differed from other people. So I was, I had a lot of the characteristics, you know, there are character, I'm, I'm not going to talk about them here, like specifically, because first it might be triggering for some people. And also, again, like I'm not, I am not a doctor, but like there are characteristics of, you know, how much you're binging, when you're binging, how you're binging, um, that you could that you could be diagnosed with binge eating disorder. So, um, you know, and there were also a lot of like lies about true health and food that were still ingrained in me, even though I was okay with my body. Like, so that was sort of how that went. And then I decided to go um, to an actual eating disorder treatment program, and that was a year ago. Um, just actually. So while I consider myself, you know, in recovery now, I'm not like very far out from it. It's still, you know, very much a part of my life. And now I'm just here to really be an advocate for women specifically to love themselves regardless of their size and to know that they are worthy regardless of their size. Um, and if it turns out that you have an eating disorder while you're in the process of doing that, like take care of it. Um, 
and get the help that you need because you don't need to look a certain way, eat a certain way, you know, dress a certain way to be of value to others. Right. For sure. Yeah. So we were earlier, we we were discussing um, some misconceptions that people have about eating disorders, specifically this one. Could you just talk about that for a minute? I think it's very important that people should hear. Sure. So the first, the biggest misconception is that people with binge eating disorder are fat. And I don't use fat as a derogatory term. It's a descriptive word. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a bad word. So that is the biggest misconception. Um, and that's not true. And then another one is that if you have binge eating disorder, that the cure to that is to put yourself on a diet and just stop eating so much. And not only um, is a huge component of eating disorders, the mental piece, um, you know, restricting is a physical activity, but it's very much a mental health issue as well. Um, And that does not, restricting is never a form of recovery. Um, I say that all the time. So programs like Weight Watchers or Overeaters Anonymous, um, specifically OA, Overeaters Anonymous, you know, brands themselves as a place for not necessarily people who have binge eating disorder, but for fat people who think that they eat too much to go and they're like number one way of fixing these people is to restrict them. And so many times restriction leads to binging and to all of the disordered eating habits that um, are just not good for a person. Um, So those are like the two biggest misconceptions. Um, I say, I would say the third is that a person in a bigger body can't have an eating disorder. Um, you know, they're just fat. They're just the problem. No, there, there are some people who are just fat and don't have eating disorders, but there are definitely people in bigger bodies who have eating disorders. And it's not always binge eating disorder. You know, a person in a bigger body can have anorexia or bulimia or other eating disorders as well. So those are some really big misconceptions that I think people have. Um, And people are just really not, people are really not nice about people with binge eating disorder. I would say that that's a big thing also. They're like, just lose weight, just stop eating. You don't deserve to be here, you know, and those things just aren't true. Um, And that's not everybody. Those are like people on the internet, but, you know, they really do believe that. And that's really, really a problem and not helping people get better at all. It's making people feel really bad about themselves. Um, so. Of course. Yeah. Have you gotten any of those comments? Yeah, I get them all the time. Um, I do a lot of videos, um, on TikTok specifically about asking for seatbelt extenders. Um, every time, that I go on an airplane, I video myself asking for a seatbelt extender in the hopes that 
women who are too self-conscious to ask or who go cry after because they feel so bad about themselves will, you know, see me doing this over and over again and gain the confidence to feel comfortable asking for what they need to fly because everyone deserves to get where they're going regardless of their size. Um, and a lot of those videos have gone viral and people are so mean. Um, and I don't take it offensively. It just makes me angry that, you know, it's not me that is crying about those comments, but there are people reading through those comment threads who struggle with asking for a seatbelt extender and I'm trying to help them, but then they see Joe Schmo, you know, making these terrible comments about fat people in general, and that doesn't help them in their recovery process either. Um, For sure. So, so how, how do you say recovery? Respond? I wouldn't necessarily say recovery. I would say in their like body healing, self love process. Right, for sure. So how how do you respond to people when they make these comments? Well, sometimes I will make a video in response, calling them out, sometimes explaining why what they're saying is so damaging and how it's literally just not true. Like BMI was made up by a male scientist, like not even a doctor. Um and how words like overweight and obese are, you know, really, really damaging to somebody who is just trying to like live a healthy life and feel good about themselves. Um, I think one of the most common arguments that I get is that um, someone's size is synonymous with their health. And that is like one of the biggest stigmas that I'm trying to break down. You know, there can be a fat person who is perfectly healthy and there can be a fat person who is not healthy. And on the same side of the coin, there are skinny people who are healthy and there are skinny people who are super unhealthy. And um, this is a total societal issue. It's huge that if you are a fat person, you can't possibly also be a healthy person. Um, and with that, you know, comes the connotation of if you are a fat person, you are a bad person. And if you are a fat person, you are not worthy of being loved. You are not beautiful. You know, all of these things that are so damaging to a person's like inner confidence, inner soul, the feelings of self-worth that they have. Um, and, you know, it's so ingrained in us. I've said it before, you know, it's ingrained. I'm an Orthodox Jewish woman and I have a very, very fierce belief in one God and that God is the ruler and the creator of the world and everything is done by his hand. And I would say that right up there with it are these feeling that these feelings that you know fat is bad and skinny is good and certain foods are bad for you just these big big ideas are just so ingrained in us um like stronger than a religion at times and people don't 
know how to respond when you challenge those ideas, even if they are true. And people get very angry that you're like trying to shake things up a little bit. And it's so frustrating. And a lot of times it's men. And I feel really bad for the women in their lives. And they were probably raised also by mothers who looked at themselves in the mirror and felt really bad about themselves too. You know, these men didn't come up with these ideas from nowhere. Also, it's not only just men, but a lot of the mean keyboard warriors uh, typically are coming from men, um, just like in my experience. Also, like, I don't think your mother is proud of you for talking to a woman this way, but like, that's a side, (laughs) that's just a side point. And sometimes I will literally just comment and say, would your mother approve of this comment? (laughs) 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 I'm telling you, I don't think you're like so disrespectful. Um, But, you know, and on the same in the same line of like ingrained in us, almost like a religion is the fact that like there are medical, and I don't really want to get into like medical providers and the problems that they have with people in bigger bodies. But, you know, sometimes people will come in and say, well, I'm a nurse, I'm a doctor, and this is what I learned. And fat is bad. But like, Maybe they learned it that way, but it's a bias and it's not like medically true. It's just, it's so crazy. Like we think of medicine as science and of course it should be true. And of course we should listen to our doctors, but you know, the truth behind it is, is that size is not always synonymous with health and we have to get away from that. We just, we have to, like for the mental health of so many people. Right, right, for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned about discovering that you had this binge eating disorder when you were already at the point of loving your body. How did you get to that point? Hmm. That's a great question. People ask me it a lot, actually. They'll come and they'll say, I want the confidence that you have. I think I learned how to dress myself. And I don't mean, you know, a lot of times I don't like the word flattering because when people hear the word flattering, they think it means that it looks, it makes you look skinny. And I don't, I don't think of it in that way. I think I learned how to dress myself in a way where I looked in the mirror, I felt beautiful. I, you know, put clothes on that fit me, but they weren't, you know, it's not some, it's not like trying to suck yourself in. I also do a lot of photo shoots and for me, and I actually encourage people to do a solo photo shoot or like take family photos because the more I look at myself looking beautiful in pictures really helped me see that I am beautiful and my body is beautiful. Um, And also it was about not trying to hide my body. And, you know, I do dress by modest guidelines. So I'm not out there in a bikini or even a one piece, you know, doing photos on the beach. 
my body is covered for the most part. And I'm wearing bright colors, patterns that make me happy. You know, I love black, just like every other girl. You can't get it dirty. It's very versatile, goes with everything. But like, you know, even today I'm wearing a green dress with a gold zipper and I love it. You know, I have actually sitting literally right behind me. I just got a dress from um, Eloquy and it is like the most vibrant, floral, tropical. That is where the beauty comes from. Wearing things that make you happy, that you're comfortable in and seeing that beauty in yourself. I think, you know, eating disorder recovery and treatment has helped me with this mentality also. Um, that like, you look, you, it, it just comes um, as you continue to treat yourself with respect and talk respectfully to yourself and about yourself. Like stop making self-deprecating comments about yourself and about your body and about not fitting because those are really internalized. And that was sort of like the slow progression. Also, like I got to a point where I'll tell you, like, and I actually haven't spoken really about this publicly. So like exclusive, um, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would like to, but I think you know, the final straw very shortly before I went into eating disorder treatment, I was like seriously dieting. Um, I actually, my husband is on Ozempic. He has type one diabetes and I know it's like marketed for type one. I mean, for type two, but, um, a lot of endocrinologists are using it to help type one diabetics also with their A1Cs. So I actually got permission from my prior, um, doctor, primary care physician to use it. Um, and so actually for like six months before I went into eating disorder treatment, I was on Ozempic. I was restricting so much that, you know, I would binge later at night, mostly. Um, I was just struggling so much still with trying to lose weight. Like, yes, I thought I looked really good. And there was still that part of me that was like, I still need to lose weight. Um, and really until I just, I got to a point where I couldn't lose weight. I was not really losing weight on Ozempic. And, you know, I had done Octavia, you know, I had done all the things and I, you know, I lost a certain amount of weight on Octavia and then I gained double it back. You know, I just realized that something I was doing this, you know, what I would later learn to be the term of, you know, like restricting and binging, it was not working for what I was trying to achieve. And I was talking about it with my therapist and we both, she suggested that, 
you know, perhaps I had an eating disorder and I was like, I don't have an eating disorder. Like, what are you talking about? Because it's so normal to diet and restrict. And the only problem was that I was eating so much at night and it wasn't a problem in the sense that like, that's disordered eating and an eating disorder behavior, but I was gaining weight. That was the problem. So while I was like, again, I could dress my body. I did feel confident in my body. It was not until I went into eating disorder treatment a year ago that it really solidified in my soul, in my heart, in my brain, like logically and emotionally, the truths and lies about food, what it does to our body, for our body, and, you know, this idea that there is space for all foods in our lives, and we don't need to restrict ourselves to be healthy people, to be truly healthy people. Um, and, you know, with that has just been a lot of peace. It freed up so much space in my life for other things. And um, like it really, really changed my life for the better. And I don't weigh myself anymore, but I can see the way that clothes fit me. Um, you know, and I hesitate to share this, but like I do, there is a part of me that sees that I think maybe I lost weight since I've been in recovery. And that can happen, you know, once you stop restricting yourself and you allow yourself to eat what you want, your body, you know, you, people think that eating whatever you want is just eating donuts and ice cream and cake and, you know, candy all the time. I don't say bad foods and I don't use the word junk. Um, but those foods that society labels as bad, like that's what they think. But really, I just eat what my body feels. I eat, you know, I eat well-rounded meals. I eat for starters, you know, I don't not eat for an entire day and then only eat at night. Um, and I know this like went a little bit beyond the scope of your question, but I think it's really important to, you know, the goal of going to eating disorder treatment was not to lose weight. Um, it was to have a better relationship with my body and a better relationship with food. And I think once my relationship with food healed, even more confidence in my body came from it because I know what I know that what I'm doing for my body is right now. And I, I just there's just this beauty in that, that like radiates all over me, through me in my blood and what I wear. And like, I think that just, it shines through. I not agree. To like, not to toot my own horn, but girl. It's true. I was noticing today even, I'm like, wow, she looks beautiful. And it's really, it sounds so cliche, but inside outside confidence, that's really what it is, you know? Yeah. And something that you mentioned, which I think is super important for a lot of women is that you, you, you said that you started noticing that how pretty, how beautiful you looked in pictures. And you, when you're 
what what you did there was that you allowed yourself to notice. You know, very often people who struggle with loving their body, they look at pictures and they just like they're looking for the negative. You know, they're looking for the negative aspects. They're looking for that they see a picture and they go right to just like digging out some some negativity they could find or come up with. So it's so basic really, but what you did was, but it's obviously not that basic because people don't do it, that you took the time or the energy to notice how beautiful you looked. And that is huge. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say that like, I'm not perfect. I'll still see pictures of myself. You know, I, I have this really awesome, like I call it a gobbler. Um, but it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's under my neck and it turns into like a double chin and it's a part of my body now and I'm okay with it. I don't have to love it all the time. You know, it doesn't have to be my favorite part of myself, but anyways, I'm neutral about it. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'll see it in pictures and still sometimes my first thought in my head is if she had just angled the camera a little higher, that wouldn't be there. Or like this picture is really nice, but I have that double chin. No, And that's okay to have those thoughts. It's what you do with that thought. So it's either feeding in to those negative thoughts about yourself or saying, no, look at your face, look at like every other part of this picture that makes you radiate, that makes it beautiful. Um, and not focusing on those little parts of yourself that you don't like, because I'm not here to tell it someone that they need to love every single part of their body at all times. Like this is a lifelong journey. And I think if you've you know, got it right. And you can shut the negativity off, you know, 95% of the time or listen, start at 50, you know, and you'll get there. Just, it's a matter of, you know, turning off the negativity and shutting out those lies that you're saying to yourself. Um, and eventually it just comes naturally to you. Right. Also like accepting the things that you can't change or uh, I'm laughing because like we could change everything these days, but you know, accepting what is natural. Right. And as opposed to like, I'm saying like plastic surgery, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that kind of thing. No, so, I, I think, I think that what you're saying is super important because I also got to a point where I was dieting. And at the same time, I was thinking, maybe my body is just supposed to be this way forever. And for a long time, I was not happy about that. Um, but I say it a lot now, like, I think this is just how my body is supposed to be. It's just supposed to be this way. And it's this concept of, you know, body neutrality versus body positivity, because you don't always have to love yourself in a toxic positive way like that's just not how the world goes um but it's this idea of body neutrality where you are accepting of how you are and what your body is that is more healthy than a lot of other things you know exactly and then from there if you want to work on loving certain parts of you that you couldn't even accept at first that's another journey but in regards to just like accepting and stop fighting it that's I think when the healing really begins you know 
Well, a hundred percent. And that's, I mean, that's what happened to me. That's what happens every day. And yeah. If you had one message to give over to the next generation of women, what would that message be? That is a really hard question. I think that you are worthy regardless of your size and you deserve to be here regardless of your size. Size literally doesn't matter. You are beautiful. You are brave. You are a boss. You can do anything you want and your size doesn't matter. It is not synonymous with your health. It it does not define your worth. Love it. Yeah. And where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Sure. On TikTok or Instagram at Alyssa Goldwater and on my website, aglassofgoldwater.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, Alyssa. This was so fun to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here again. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 